Matt Munger has one of the coolest Cowboy football stories you'll hear. The linebacker played five seasons in the NFL after a career in Stillwater, but it wasn't that long before at a practice in Lewis Field, Coach Jimmy Johnson called him over and told Munger it might be time to focus on grades. Matt proved him wrong. Playing in the NFL, here's how the walk-on from Miami, Oklahoma went to football's grandest stage. Now before we get to Matt, I want to thank all of the sponsors who make Two on OSU happen. Two Fellas Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Midfirst Bank, FireLakeJobs.com, Oklahoma Ford Dealers. Remember, drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Now here's Matt. Hey everybody, welcome back to Two on OSU. It's not just uh, my brother and I today. We're joined by a very special guest, Matt Munger, former Cowboy linebacker, a walk-on with a great story, played in the NFL after his days in Stillwater. Uh, But today, Sam, we're after some stories about that time in Stillwater, where, Matt, you played three years for Coach Jimmy Johnson, who, of course, is on TV everywhere, it seems like nowadays, getting inducted into the Dallas Cowboys Ring of Honor and going on halftime speeches uh, during the playoff games. So I just wanted to to lead you off, Matt. We'll start with this. Was there anything you saw from Coach Johnson in your time in Stillwater that would make you think, hey, he'd be in the NFL Hall of Fame and on TV everywhere talking about ball? Oh, you know, that that age I'm a kid, the last thing I'm thinking about is, you know, how far somebody's going to go. But, you know, in hindsight, did I see things that made Jimmy, make me notice that Jimmy was different and special? Absolutely. And that happened before I got to Oklahoma State. I mean, um, you know, Jimmy, uh, you know, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, says, you know, where there is no vision, the people will will perish. Jimmy had vision. So the the thing that I saw in Jimmy, even before I got there, is that he, I don't know what his faith background is. I don't know what his allegiance is to anything. I have no idea. But I know he incorporates biblical-based rules. And those rules, they work. I mean, he, he had success through those. I mean, before I even got there, you know, he's taken a, a struggling program and he knows he's got to turn it on turn it around. And he's got to keep them st- pushing forward to be able to do that. And so his theme is press on. You guys remember that? Press on. It's on T-shirts. Everything they say, they end with press on. They Press on, press on. And it's actually, what is that, Philippians uh, 3, 13, 14. It's actually a Bible verse. It's, you know, the Apostle Paul is talking about that he will, uh, uh, that, you know, you really have to press on towards the goal, Right. So, you know, he incorporates principles that are, that are, that are time-tested. Uh, the other thing I saw about Jimmy, and one of the reasons I really wanted to go to Oklahoma State, you guys remember Cowboy Rick Antle? Rick Antle. Oh, yeah. Sure. And, right? I mean, Rick was a great player, but he was a terrible athlete. I mean, I'm in high school, and I'm thinking, I'm a better athlete than Rick. But he was fantastic. I mean, this kid played with a heart that, like, nobody I'd ever seen in my life. It was, it was uh, you know, everybody likes watching talent, but but – Heart inspires you, and there's nothing like being inspired. And, and Jimmy recognized the need in a, in a program that's growing to create heart and inspiration to get everybody to operate on a total different level than they'd ever experienced before. So he would play guys like Rick Handel. And Rick Handel was fantastic. He was one of my first idols. I mean, I love the guy. Uh, so, yeah, Jimmy did a lot of things. I mean, uh, you mentioned NIL when we were talking a minute ago. I mean, NIL, you know, I, I, I'd rather lose with loyalty than win with, with mercenaries. 
And that's the stuff that inspires people, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the heart of a man. It's never the talent. I mean, you can buy victories. Who cares if you paid enough money to buy them? It's about the heart of a man. And Jimmy had, has the real heart and he has the heart of a warrior. In, in 1980, you would have had a, a big senior season at Miami High School. You're, you're thinking about you know, going to play college ball. What about Jimmy? Did you even know? Did you know anything about him? And, and what made you think, you know, hey, that's, that's, that's where I'm going to play? Well, for me, it wasn't about Jimmy. It was about Oklahoma State. Um, I grew up, uh, what I don't tell many people, is that my father played at OU. I, I, it's kind of, I, I hate to admit that on air, but anyway. Uh, married an OU girl, by the way. There she goes. Her only flaw. It's a big one, but it's her only flaw. So for me, you know, I, I was really an Oklahoma State fan. I, I loved the guys like like Rick Annell, and I loved what was going on at Oklahoma State. It wasn't about Jimmy. It was about the school. Um, so uh, Jimmy, when he got there, he brought in a, a, a young coaching staff. And I don't know if anybody really knew who they were at that point. You know, they had a little bit of experience. But uh, – no, Stillwater had no idea that the talent they had and the talent that Jimmy had surrounded himself with. It's really quite impressive when you look at the resumes. You left Stillwater, Matt, an accomplished player with an impressive resume, but you didn't enter Oklahoma State as a, a player with, with an impressive resume. You started as a walk-on. So I think back to coming in as a high schooler, what was your first interaction or face-to-face meeting with Jimmy Johnson like? And did he notice you right away? <laughs> now you're asking for a longer story. But, yeah, I was a running back. I never played any defense in my life. I was a fullback. And I uh, couldn't get a scholarship anywhere. I led the state in rushing in, in, in Oklahoma in my, in my division. I was an all-stater uh, but couldn't get any offers from any school. So I walked on to Oklahoma State because I loved Oklahoma State. And uh, I was a um, – I, I, uh, I was a scrub, I'll admit it. You know, <laughs> we, had, uh, we had orange jerseys and white jerseys. I remember just going into spring ball. We had orange jerseys and white jerseys, you know, one through 99. And, you know, I've got the right colored jersey, but I'm the only guy in the field with no number on a jersey. It's really quite embarrassing. And I'm, and I'm really, really a bright guy. You think I would have been smart enough to figure out that I wasn't going to play and I needed to move on. But – but uh, um, really didn't have much interaction with Jimmy Johnson. We get into my second year there, and I'm, I'm leading up to the answer to your question where I really had my first real interge- inter- interaction with Jimmy. Um, get into my second year there, and we bring in a, uh, a, a guy named Reggie Herring. He was an All-American linebacker out of Florida State. And Reggie decided at the last minute not to play pro ball. And so, while wow, they were excited. They grabbed him as a coach. As soon as they brought him in, um, you may know Reggie's name. I think he retired recently from a uh, uh, where was he? linebacker coach with the Broncos, I believe. Anyway, so they bring Reggie in as a coach, and as soon as he gets there, he moves me from running back to linebacker. And of course, I think it's because he saw some talent in me, and the reality of it is we have a lot of depth at, li- at running backs, and we don't have many depth at linebackers. And uh, so uh, we start spring ball, and, and that, that season – Spring ball was two weeks of practice, one week of spring break, and then two weeks of practice. And we're going through the first two weeks. I'm not getting many reps at all. Uh, and Jimmy Johnson, my first interaction, Jimmy used to sit in the stands and watch practice. And he called me to come and sit next to him in the stands. And so I went up and sat next to him, and he leaned up on my shoulder, and he said, Matt, look, you're, you know, you're, 
you're a four-point student, and I think you just need to go concentrate on your grades. I said, Coach, are you asking me to quit? He says, well, I think you just need to go concentrate on your grades. I said, you're asking me to quit. I, I'm not prepared to do that. I, I, can I come in and tell you my answer tomorrow? And he said, sure. So, you know, I went home and, you know, not knowing what to do, I called my grandmother. My grandmother, she doesn't know the difference between a basketball and a football, right? She doesn't have a clue, but she's got great wisdom. So I called my grandmother and I asked her what I was supposed to do. And she said, well, first of all, you need to answer a question for me. And she says, do you believe that you are called to play there by your creator? Or do you believe that you just want to play there? Which is it? Is this a you thing or is this a God thing? And I said, well, I believe I'm called to, you know, I believe he's laid it on my heart to do this. And she says, okay, I need you to go, go back and read two Bible verses. The first Bible verses is 1 Samuel 17, 26. And the second one is 1737. I think I got those right. But you guys know the story. This is a story about David and Goliath, right? Because in her mind, this is a David and Goliath thing. And I realize what he's talking about is this is a covenant relationship. He goes into King Saul and he says, King Saul says, you're, you're a punk. You can't fight this guy. And he says in the next verse, the same God that del delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. He didn't beat the Goliath when he slayed him or when he threw the stone. He beat Goliath when he realized it was God that won the battles in his life before. And because of that covenant relationship, God would win the battle in his life against this giant. So the Bible says, David ran into the valley. We're running from our giants all day long. He ran into the valley. This was the most fantastic advice I've ever had in my life. If I believed it was him calling me to do it, I didn't have to worry about it. I could, I could know in my heart that if I ran into that challenge, that I would win because it would be him winning through me. So I go into Jimmy Johnson the next day and the Joyce lets me in his office and unannounced to me, they're in a coach's meeting. So I have to not only tell him, but I tell all the coaches that I'm not going to quit. And not only am I not going to quit, I'm going to redshirt myself to give myself an extra year to grow, to be prepared. That was the funniest thing they ever heard. They busted out laughing. They never heard anybody redshirt themselves before. They thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's wild. Did, uh, I mean, did they say, okay, like, we'll, we'll see you next season. Be ready to play. I think they were so baffled. They didn't know what to say. They just didn't know anybody had redshirt themselves before. So I just kind of walked out. That was it. And a little offended that they laughed at me, which you never know with Jimmy. He might've done that intentionally just to motivate you because he's a sharp, bright motivator. But the rest of that story is we go out to spring ball and I, we finished up the first two weeks. Remember we have two weeks of practice, a week off for spring break and then two weeks of practice. So the rest of that story is like we go back and uh, finish the first two weeks and there was a linebacker that was great athlete. He was going to be a star for, for uh, Oklahoma State. He blows out his knee. Jim Tolleson blows out his knee. And so we come back from spring break and, hey, there's, Jim's done, career-ending injury. So I get to wear Jim's jersey. Over the course of the summer, the coaches are watching the film and they, and they watch. It's not like game film. You watch sequentially game and play after play after play. They put all the dive plays together, all the screen plays together because they want to see how they work. And so he's, he's watching, you know, Reggie's watching this film of me and falls in love with me. And Reggie's forgotten that he's really watching Jim Tolson. So I'm uh, certainly bright enough not to alert him to that fact. We, uh, we have three or four guys flunk out over the course of the summer. We go into the uh, 
training camp, we lose two or three more guys, linebackers, and we get down to two games before the opening season, and we have two linebackers, starting linebackers, and you have me as the backup. And Jim Krebs breaks his arm. I go into the coach's office the day before the starting game because I'm not ready, and I'm sitting in this film room watching film before the sun comes up, and eventually the coaches come in to – start this meeting and I can hear them. They don't know I'm over there and they start this meeting in panic. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We can't play this walk on kid. What do we, you know, how about Barry Hanna? He's a great athlete at tight end. We can move him over and he could play linebacker. Or how about this strong safety? This backup strong safety. We can pull him in. And then, then you hear Pat Jones says, well, we'll just change. We'll surprise everybody. We'll go with a nickel package and play with one less linebacker. And this is when my life changed. I hear a chair hit the wall and bounce across the floor. And Reggie Herring is pounding on the test desk and he says, I don't care about this guy. I don't care about that guy. And I don't care about that guy. By God, Matt Munger's my guy and he can do the job. For the first second in my life, I became a college athlete because it was not about me. It was about playing for Reggie. It was about playing for the guy next to me. It was about playing for the guy in the stands. I came out that game, all big eight player of the week, all big eight player of the week, two or three more times that season. It said, uh, I don't know if I had the most tackles in a single season, but I probably am in the top one or two, did probably two years in a row if I had to guess. Drafted by the Jets, four years with the Jets, three years with the Buffalo Bills. My last three years in the NFL, I went to work for Merrill Lynch is where I work now. Uh, I mean, all because it sounds like a great story and yet, Yay, Matt, pat me on the back. It's not about Matt. It's about God laying a desire in a young man's heart and being obedient to that desire. And it's about the impact and the influence that we have on other people. I mean, Reggie changed my life. Um, and we have the ability to do that with other people all day long, and we don't even recognize it or see it. Sorry, I get long-winded. I get excited. <laughs> no, Matt, I, I appreciate appreciate the story. And, I mean, I'm wondering – after, you know, in, in 1984, you're, you're an all Big 8 linebacker. You have 175 tackles, which I believe is, is number two all time uh, right now today in a season. Did you ever revisit the conversation of, man, Matt, I, I think you got to focus on grades? No, um, but I got to tell you, Jimmy is a class act. My second or third year in the NFL, I got a long letter from Jimmy and it was just congratulating me and he was so proud of me and uh, just I'd fought through so many things to get where I had uh, where I had and it was it was very nice it was, it was very first class one of the things Matt I've, I've heard a lot from from some of your teammates and other guys I've talked to who have been around Jimmy Johnson is the way he motivates people he said he you know people said he he knew which buttons to press and it wasn't the same for everybody. Is that something you saw maybe him motivating guys different ways? Yeah, I don't think there's any question to that. Um, you know, I think, I think that Jimmy, I would call Jimmy, a, you know, David, we talked about David Glad. David was a covenant warrior. I would say Jimmy's the same thing. I mean, we, we know today we operate in the world of contracts and commitment you know, and a contract says that, you know, I will do what I'm said I would do for you as long as you'll do what you said you would do for me. That, that's a, kind of a contract. And, and Jimmy's an I will guy. Jimmy is a, a, a covenant warrior. He says, I will. Period. Regardless, doesn't matter. Jimmy will do it. He'll figure it out and find a way. 
and um, and he expects that from people around him. He, he, you have to lift your standard to that. Uh, and what he's so good at is the vision. He, you don't realize it, but he's prepared. You know, you're all of a sudden you're in a situation, and you realize he's taken the last two years of your life and 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 prepared you for this opportunity. Uh, he just has a great vision. I'll tell you, one of the other things he did really, really well is we would, uh, you know, I don't remember what day it was, Monday afternoon, I don't know, we'd have press day at four o'clock. And so we have this team meeting at three o'clock and he did, you know, tells us all this stuff and speaks to the team. And then you go into the press meeting and you're just repeating everything that he just told you, right? I mean, you don't even have any real, you don't even realize you're being puppeteered, but you really are. His fantastic skill sets, um, leadership skills. I mean, look at the, look at his coaching staff. I mean, anybody of, of great ability is going to tell you that you're ultimately going to be the five people that you spend your time with. Well, look at the five people he spends his time with. I mean, they're, they were all, all great in and of themselves. Um, you know, I don't care who you, you know, Butch Davis, Tony Wise, Dave Wanstatt, uh, uh, Pat Jones. Pat Jones had run through a wall for a player. Holy smokes, that's a, that's a loyal guy. I mean, they were all, you know, and there's more. Their list is long, but they were all fantastic, great warriors in and of themselves. And, and Houston Nutt was a graduate assistant uh, one of those years under Jimmy. I heard a, a story, Matt, where um, Jimmy made one of his graduate assistants go go run the stairs. He just held everybody accountable that way, and maybe that's what, you know, helped uh, make those that young coaching staff go on to be such such successes. Well, that's how you raise a standard, right? You you set a standard and it applies to everybody, not just who you want it to apply to. I bumped into Houston Nutt recently and he looked at me and I said, Houston, man, I introduced myself. He said, oh yeah, oh yeah. You're the guy who spent all the time in the, in the film room studying. <laughs> I, I don't know why that, I don't know why that is my identity with him, but that's who it was. So, you know, it's funny how people remember you. There, there are a lot worse ways, I'm sure, for college athletes to be remembered by coaches. That's, 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 a, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But, uh, you know, the, I, I think the lesson there is the, the extra effort and the things that you can uh, gather that other people aren't willing to put in the time to do. You, you mentioned, Matt, how I don't know if the chair was thrown um, and how that changed your life when a coach stood up for you. I'm curious, what's the most memorable speech you were ever a part of that Jimmy Johnson gave? Um, yeah, of course, you know, it's been long enough now. Those memories have, are, are changed and I'm sure they're, I'm sure the accuracy of how you remember things are not exact and what really happened. But, but uh, you know, the, the biggest speech that Jimmy gave in my mind was as a walk on, uh, my second year in college, <clears throat> I think it's my second year, might've been my third year, third year, I think, um, my father developed brain tumor and, um, ended up passing away. I sat with him by his bed and watched him wither away for the last few days of his life. And it was hard. And I get on the field and every time I'd get on the field, it would, I would think of my father cause I was, he was proud of me playing and, one of the, I guess I realized one of the reasons I was doing is, is for him. And uh, Jimmy came to me pre-practice one day and uh, just pulled me aside and we had a talk. And he just says, look, I, I don't know that you'll ever play, 
Um, I'm just concerned that we're going to lose you and we think you're valuable. And, and he offered me a scholarship. And uh, it was a personal conversation with Jimmy, not a speech in front of everybody else. But I could tell it was heartfelt and uh, very meaningful. Matt, I think it's cool you bring that up. One thing I heard from Pat Jones, uh, Pat told me about Jimmy, is Jimmy cares a whole lot more than sometimes he lets on. Is is that something you felt maybe in that particular moment? He saw you down, saw you needed something, and he 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 gave you that scholarship. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Yeah, um, Jimmy's bright. He's a very good leader. Um, so you always question whether you know the the action is is pure and is real, but if you look at his history, it, it's, he's fantastic. He, you know, you don't get there without caring about people. I mean, you know, any venture you do, it's about relationships and, you know, it, it all falls apart. If, if those good relationships don't trust you and, and, and you're not real, he's, he's the real deal. I don't have the timelines in front of me, but I'm trying to do the math. Did you ever end up playing against Jimmy in the NFL? No, he was in Dallas. It's a good question. I thought we were going to, but uh, never did play against him. Okay, different conferences. I know they didn't. Probably they didn't. I don't think they did as much interconference play back then. No. Um, yeah, I, I'm confident that we didn't, though. I know Jimmy was, you know, uh, a defensive lineman there at Arkansas. He won a national championship himself. I, I, I just got to cut you off right there. That's baffling. How is Jimmy a defensive lineman? I don't understand it, but okay, go ahead. I, I know he had the perfect hair, the shorts. I mean, he's not a he's not a huge guy. Like, did you ever see him kind of flip the switch and become that nasty defensive lineman edge edge guy? Not at all. Never saw it. Never figured out. Never knew if I really even believed that because he wasn't <laughs> big. Uh, yeah, I. I no proof of that. Um, so never saw that. He was fairly consistent. Of course, he had his times when he got a little frustrated. But, um, you know, uh, Pat was the defensive coach at the time, much more emotional. Uh, Jimmy was fairly reserved. Of course, on defense, you don't get that much face time with the head coach or even, you know, the offensive side of the guys. But, uh, um, yeah, I thought Jimmy was very appropriate, motivational, just a great leader. Surely there's some Jimmy Johnson film floating around somewhere in Fayetteville. That, that'd, be, that'd be a blast to get into it and see what kind of player he was. Well, if we had a really good day of practice, Reggie Herring would take us in and let, him, let us watch him practice. Old film of him. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie was so funny. Right? I, he never pulled out any on, uh, I don't know if that was a joke or serious, but he uh, never pulled out another Jimmy. I would have liked to have seen it, actually. And I think, you know, it speaks to what we were talking about a minute ago. I mean, if you look at Jimmy, he's not, he's not the profile of the defensive guy, not the profile of the defensive lineman, right? I mean, we all know that. So how in the world could he play? Well, the answer is pretty clear. It's not talent. It's heart. And Jimmy re- respected that, and he knew that. And, I mean, you know, heart, you know, talent will win games. Heart will change lives. Matt, what what was it like um, after the Blue Bonnet Bowl? In in 83, you guys play in the Blue Bonnet Bowl, and then I, I guess everybody goes home. And then Jimmy Johnson, 
he left for Miami. What what was it like there at the end with with Coach, and, and how did you kind of uh, go through that? Well, I don't know if anybody knows this story. In fact, uh, what I'm getting ready to tell you, I think, is uh, I understand there was a book out that kind of tells you, explains what happened, but that's not really what happened. Uh, we came off the uh, Blue Bonnet Bowl, and we looked great. We, you know, we had a great season. We should have won every single game. I think we lost two games, and both of them were in the last minute of the game, and both were flukes. One of them, I think, was against OU. We were down we – had, we had them down – 20 to three with nine minutes left and everything in the world went wrong. But anyway, long story short, we came off a great season and then Jimmy announced he was leaving. And what, what no one knows is that I went and got the other captains on the team and we went in to see the athletic director at the time. And we said, look, you know, we've got a fantastic team here. You can't change this. I mean, we should have won every game and we're returning most of our talent. You can't bring somebody in that's going to disrupt this. We need someone in-house that, that's capable and, and can be a great coach. And we think Pat Jones is that guy. And I don't even think Pat's ever heard this story before. But we went to the athletic director and kind of pleaded for that case. Um, and that was our response. And it, I'm sure we were not the reason it happened, but uh, Pat got it on his merits, I'm sure. But we, we players knew what should happen. So, you know. We cast our vote. We, we wanted to make sure they heard it. Yeah. It says a lot about the culture you guys had built there and, and everything he had rolling. And, and you had a great season that next year, I think. So, I mean, he had a lot set there in place. He had a lot put in place. That's that's right. I mean, we were – I mean, I don't think people knew how great we were. I, if you go back and look at that Blue Bonnet Bowl team – I may be wrong, but I'm going to guess guys on the team at the time, they might have not been starting, all of them, but I bet there's 21 guys on that team that played professional football. I mean, it's got, it's off the charts. If you look at that team, that Blue Bonneville team, I'll be willing to bet you that rushing touchdowns against that defense, I mean, you got to figure, you know, how many times do they score a rushing touchdown a game? Two or three times probably. I'm going to guess we had somewhere between five and seven the entire season. I mean, we had fantastic talent, and the only reason we lost any games at all is because we had no idea how good we were. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't have a choice. We had to bring that team back, and we we needed unity. Pat was the guy that would make it happen. Um, And, you know, to your point, we came back and had another great season the, the following year. Now that your paths have split, what do you think, Matt, when you're watching Fox, you know, NFL Sunday kickoff, or um, I don't know if you caught his his induction, but now whenever you see Jimmy on TV or just on posters, what ultimately do you reflect on most about your time with Jimmy here in Stillwater? Well, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm at that age, I'm starting to look back and reflect on things too. Um, so I do a lot of that. Um, I look back at the people in my life and, and intentionally think, uh, why do they cross my paths? You know, why, why do we cross paths? How do they change me? How am I different? Did I make them better? Did they make me better? I, I think through those things. So I didn't see his induction. I would have loved to, to see it. Uh, you're going to be surprised, but I really don't watch sports. So I wouldn't have caught it on the sports show. Uh, um, 
but Jimmy had major impact in my life. There's no question. Uh, and so when I see those kind of things, I look back and I reflect, I reflect how I'm different as a result of having that encounter. Matt, it's been a pleasure. The, the stories of, I've been hearing about Jimmy just show uh, everything that, that he's uh, impacted his, his players and it's stuff that, you know, still kind of sticks with people. Obviously a lot of the lessons you learn from him and, other coaches in Stillwater is stuck with you. So thanks thanks so much for sharing some of the stories with us on 2-1-O-S-U. My pleasure. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you can follow us on selloutcrowd.com, YouTube, everything. Uh, if, you, if you like what you heard today, uh, like and subscribe, and we'll be back next week talking all things Oklahoma State. And if you like what you heard today, be sure to follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you like to consume content, Sellout Crowd is there. We have an app now. It's great. I love consuming Sellout Crowd on the app. It's handy. You can sort it by content you want. It goes right to uh, your fingertips. So join us on the Sellout Crowd app and be sure to follow uh, Sellout Crowd in the future. I'm going to have a story with much more Jimmy Johnson OSU content coming shortly. Be on the lookout for that.